So we come again this morning to the Lord's Prayer. This is the model prayer. We know that it has been given a couple of times in the scriptures. It's given in Matthew as well as here in Luke. This is a prayer which is clear in the context in which Matthew gives it that God does not expect us to simply memorize this prayer and repeat it back to him, although memorizing it is not a bad idea. It is the model, it is the framework, it is the structure, it's the skeletal, uh, it's what forms our prayers. If you want to pray and you want to pray a little bit more than Lord, thank you for everything, and by the way, bless the missionaries, amen. If you'd like your prayers to be uh, just a little deeper than that and have a little more structure than that, then this is a prayer that you should, and I would assume most everyone in the sound of my voice has, in fact, memorized. Uh, Let me read the passage here as Luke gives it. So in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John also taught his disciples, and he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. This is slightly shorter than the account in Matthew, but... You know, it, it's, it is the prayer. It is the prayer that God has given to his disciples. So when the moment comes that, that we bow down our heads and we pray, and by the way, we need to do this. We, we need to pray. We need to recognize as we discuss prayer, this is the moment. This is the moment to be serious in our prayers with God. This is the moment to begin to pray. If you have never done in your life before, this is the moment to start praying powerful prayers to God. Moses is not here to intercede on our behalf. Uh, neither is uh, Noah or Job or, or Jonah or Daniel or anybody else. It's us. It's us. But... Find great comfort in that. Find great comfort in that because God has determined that we should live in this day and in this moment and in this time. This is when we need to be the instrument that God uses to bring about his will in our generation. We were born for such a time as this. This is the moment to pray like we mean it. This is the moment to learn about prayer. This is the moment to learn what it is to pray biblical prayers. This is not the time to be timid. This is not the time to say, well, Lord, I, I just don't know. I, I, I hope, uh, I, I don't know. This is not that moment. This is the time for us to get alone with God, close the door in our closets, get on our knees or whatever position it is you think is going to help you most earnestly pray to God and beseech God to do his work and his will in this world. God answers the prayer of his saints. What's essential is that we understand how this works so that we're not praying prayers that are ineffectual. So what we need to look at, and this is why Jesus has given us this account, this is why it's in here, that if we're going to pray as Jesus wants us to pray, we need to drink deeply of this prayer. 
We need to take this prayer and, and meditate on it and soak it in and think about what it is that Jesus is saying to us. So we're going to take our time on this. We're going, to, we're going to spend multiple weeks looking at this prayer so that we can pray more powerfully. This morning, we're going to look at the concept of God as our Father. In this account of Luke, Jesus just says the first word of the prayer is Father. In Matthew, when he instructed there, it was our Father. You have to go back to the Matthew sermon. It's online. You can look at that and see what it has to say. We're going to just go with Father. We're going to skip over the word our here. So the question is, what does a biblical father look like? And the, the problem that we have, and it's a sad and it's an unfortunate problem, but the problem that we have is that as much as any of us may love our father, may respect our father, honor our father, have a great relationship with our father. The fact is that everyone's father was a sinner. You hopefully had a great relationship with your father. We unfortunately are well aware that there are any number of people who actually didn't have all that great a relationship with their father. It may very well be that as, as you listen, you think, oh boy, you... You don't know my father. Let me tell you, my father either, either maybe was like just never there, completely absent, or when he was there, all he did was yell and holler, and, and I, I, I never did quite figure out what in the world was going on. But, you know, it was, I, my father was nothing but when he showed up, it was again in some other room. It's hard to say exactly what kind of relationship it is that you had with your father. The problem that we have, Every single one of us. No one has the perfect upbringing. No one. The problem we have is that when God says to us, when you pray, say, Father, well, what we immediately pour into that image of God is our Father. I mean, you think about your Father. You think, okay, let's see. I don't know. Is God distant and never listened to me? Because as I recall, my Father was distant and never listened to a word I said. So is that who God is? Or, you know, anytime my Father was around, all I got was hollered at or criticized or beaten down. Or, I, I, I don't know, I never... Is that what God is like? Is God like that? Is God abusive and hollering and short-tempered? And is that who God is? Because I don't know if that's who God is. I, <laughs> I don't know as I really want all that great relationship with God. So, what's essential is when we come to God, we need to think about God's view of fatherhood. And so I want us this morning to get a look at what it is to be a biblical father. How does God define fatherhood? When God says, I'm your father, what does God mean by that? How, how does this work in our relationship with God? Because what we want when we think about God, our Father, is we want what the Bible says God says fatherhood is. And for those of you who are fathers, by the way, uh, this, of course, is going to be a great sermon and lesson on what it is to be a biblical father, which we should all strive to be. No one is perfect at it. No one achieves it. But this at least gives us something to aim at. So let's stop and, and, and think here. What does it mean when God says he's the father? Well, okay, so first of all, obviously, you would think this would go without saying, but it's really kind of important. Uh, how is it you end up being a father? 
Well, you got to have kids. That's how that works. You don't become a father until you have children. So in order to be a good father, in order to be a biblical father, you need to create. God creates. When we pray to God, we pray to the creator. We pray to the one who did what? Well, he made the heavens, and he made the earth, and he made the stars, and he made the garden, and he made Adam, and then he made Eve for Adam, all the animals. God created this wonderful environment and placed his children in it. Adam and Eve. God put Adam and Eve into the garden. These were the first two, and God took great care of them. God produces. God produced. God didn't simply sit in heaven and think wonderful thoughts and go, oh, wouldn't that be nice? God actually made. God created. God did things. God is fertile. God is not sterile. God exudes creation. He creates fish and lions and and tigers, he creates the monkeys, God creates the birds, God, all of this wonderful stuff, the insects, just study bugs, a blade of grass. God created it all, God is just creative. This is the God that we pray to when we say, Father, we're talking about someone who is creative. So when we pray to God and we ask him as Father to carry out whatever it is he's going to carry out, expect a creative answer to that question. It's not going to be simple. It's going to be something complex. It's going to be something wonderful, well thought out, because that's who God is. Chances are very good that God has been, since the creation of the world, working on answering that prayer that you're about to pray. It, you're thinking, you know, this, God, has taken eternity to get to the place where you finally, we finally, bow our heads and actually ask God for the right thing. We actually pray according to God's will. And God says, ah, what do you know? I've brought all of the whole creation of the world right to this moment to answer your prayer. Expect God to answer your prayer in that kind of a way. It's, it's not going to be exactly what you think. It's going to be beyond what we think because that's who God is. That's the kind of father that God is. The next example that we see of, of real fatherhood here is we see Abraham. Ab the word Abram actually means father, right? The exalted father, Abram. And by the way, you know the word for father in the Hebrew is Abba, father, right? Abba, A-B. Okay, well, the first letters of Abraham, by the way, is A-B. That's father. Not that you would say Abba-ham. That would, don't, don't say that. But, but it's the root of that word. That's, that Abba is Abraham. It's the exalted father, Abram. Abraham is the greatly exalted father. And God does have a sense of humor because here Abram is wandering around the promised land and he's been there for who knows how long, he and, he and Sarai, and he's going around introducing himself. Hi, I'm Abram. Oh, well, you're the great father. How many kids you got? Uh, none. I don't actually have any kids. And he's in the promised land for, for years before he has any kids. And God's got him running around introducing himself as Abram. And then he's introduced as Abraham. Well, I don't know how many kids you got? One, that's, it, of course, Abraham does, in fact, become this great father. God, in fact, step back and, and big picture look here. 
God names Abraham the great exalted father because God is going to use the arc of history to bring about the family of God. Abraham is the father of our faith. Not Moses, by the way. Remember that. It's Abraham. We, are, we have the same faith that Abraham has. Why? Because God has taken the role of father. God puts Abraham, the great exalted father, as the father of our faith. And this is, this is what it looks like. Abraham is a leader. Abraham, he's got his faults. He's got his problems. But the fact is, when it's all done, Abraham does what he needs to do. And he becomes this great exalted father. He does the right thing. Fathers do the right thing. Fathers, God as our father always does the right thing. God describes his relationship to Israel as father. And there's a variety. I'll just read a couple of verses here. Exodus 4.22. Thus you shall say to Pharaoh, this is Moses, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. God describes his relationship to Israel as a father. Deuteronomy 32, 6. Do you thus repay the Lord, O foolish and unwise people? Is not he your father who has bought you? He made you. He established you. This is what fathers do. This is what God does. This is how God describes fatherhood. A father is one who keeps his word. A father is one who makes and establishes. God is one who always keeps his word, by the way. Malachi 2.10, do we not all have one father? Has not one God created us? So don't deal treacherously against your brother. Why? Because we all have the same father here. So when we think about God as our father... Even in the Old Testament, this is, this is not a vacuum, right? God has poured into the Old Testament this concept of fatherhood so that when we bow our heads and pray, think about God as creator. Think about God as one who keeps his covenant. Think about God as one who always keeps his word. That's who God the Father is. Psalm 68, verse 3, Let the righteous be glad. Let them exalt before God. Let them rejoice with gladness. Sing to God and sing praises to his name. He is a father of the fatherless and a judge for the widow. God goes out of his way to find those who are hurting and comforts them. God is a father to the fatherless. God looks out for those who need to be looked out for. He goes and finds them. God makes a home This is Psalm 68.6. God makes a home for the lonely. He leads out the prisoners into prosperity and only the rebellious will end up dwelling in a parched land. God goes out and finds those who are hurting and as a loving father takes care of them. He goes into the wilderness to find them and brings the fatherless and the widows to himself so that he can take care of them. Proverbs. When you go to the Proverbs, it's easy to look at the Proverbs and say, well, okay, this is mostly Solomon writing to his sons. And one would assume, with all those wives, Solomon must have had a lot of sons. We don't have a record of any of them except one, but the the Proverbs are written as words of wisdom. But 
what we have to get and recognize is that every time Solomon says, my son, and then proceeds to give good advice, this is the role of a godly father. God is the ultimate godly father. If we want to know God's own view of his fatherhood, go to the Proverbs. Look at what they say and go, okay, this is the kind of God the father, the father that God is. This, when God says he's father, this is what he's talking about. So Proverbs 1.8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. This sounds familiar, right? Honor your father and mother. This is God reflecting his view of what it is to be a parent. Because God is ultimately our parent. This is what the family relationship looks like. God is going to give us instruction. We should listen to it. We should honor God. We need instruction. God is one who exists to give us instruction. When we go to God as our Father, what we're doing is we're saying, Lord, I, I need instruction. Help me pray the right thing, understand the right thing, and do the right thing. James, of course, will pick up on this in the New Testament. If you lack wisdom, just ask of God. He'll give it to you. And don't worry, he won't chew you out for asking. God is, God is not going to reproach you because you went to him and asked for wisdom. Back to Proverbs. Proverbs 1.10. My son, if sinners entice you, don't consent. Don't walk in the way with them. Keep your feet from their path. Pray to God as our father that he would lead us away from those who would lie to us who would deceive us, sinners who would entice us. Our world is filled with the lies of the devil that come and entice us. We are enticed by all kinds of things. We own all kinds of devices. We have all kinds of billboards and, and electronic devices. And they're continuously enticing us to do all kinds of stuff. Pray that God would deliver you from being enticed to do evil. God sees his role as father, as the one who would who would go to us and say, don't, don't be enticed by that. Our Heavenly Father, keep us from being enticed and to not walk in the way of sinners, to keep away from their path. Lord, give us the wisdom to know how to, to walk right, to not go with the crowd, to not go the easy way that everyone is going down. Proverbs chapter 2 my son, if you'll receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding. If you will cry for discernment, lift up your voice for understanding and seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasure, well, you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. This is God the Father speaking to us. This is God saying to us, look, when you pray to me, will you pray for this kind of a heart? Pray that you will strive to understand and to have the wisdom to know the word of God and to discern what it is to rightly fear God. This is God as our Father. This is God as our Father speaking to us. This is God directly to us. When you bow your head and say, Father, this is what you're praying. This is the father you're talking to. The one who wants to give us wisdom. Who wants to give us understanding and discernment. Pray that God would give that to us. God desires to give that to us. That is a prayer you can pray with fervency. Oh Lord, make me wiser. 
might want to duck after you pray that because, you know, who knows what God is going to put into your life that is going to help you learn wisdom. But nonetheless, it is a prayer we must pray. And by the way, if you're not, you should grab the Proverbs and read one every day. 31 Proverbs, most months, well, some of them anyway, have 31 days. You may have to read a couple extra on some months, but you know what? Every day, you, what, what proverb? Well, what days? Open it up, read it. Do you know how much wisdom? Do you know how much wiser you're going to be six months from now if you just did that every day? That's God answering this prayer. Proverbs 3.1, my son, do not forget my teachings. Let your heart keep my commandments. Lord, don't let me forget. Proverbs 3.11, my son, do not reject the disciplining hand of the Lord. Or, by the way, loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he approves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. He'll go on to say in verse 4, Chapter 4, verse 1, hear, O sons, the instructions of a father and give attention that you may gain understanding. God is going to discipline us. Count on it. God wants you to be the best person you can possibly be. God wants you to use your skills and your abilities that he has given you. God wants you, okay, who in the world doesn't want to know how to play a musical instrument? I mean, I, I would love to be able to play a musical instrument. You know what I don't have? The discipline to stop doing something else and start practicing the piano. I, I should. I, I, I'd, it'd be nice. I would love to just be able to sit down and play the piano. I don't really want to put the time into it necessary to actually learn the skill. I'd love to learn a second language, third, fourth, fifth language. Who in the world wouldn't want it that? Do you know what that takes? Discipline. If you're going to accomplish the things in this world that require Great skill, you're going to have to learn to give stuff up. You're going to have to learn to look at things that would be maybe fun or enjoyable or pleasurable or whatever time frame, whatever it is, you need to stop doing that and you need to start doing whatever it is you need to do. That's how you're going to get discipline. By the way, God prunes us. He is the vine with the branches. The branches that don't bring forth fruit, God prunes them so they bring more fruit. You know, expect the pruning of God in your life. Expect God to prune you. Expect God to discipline you. Expect it. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens, discourages every son of he receives. If you don't endure chastisement, then, then you're illegitimate. That's Hebrews quoting this passage, right? This is when we pray to God as our Father, expect God to do what it is in our lives we need to make us productive people. Expect it. Pray for it. Delight in it. Oh, Lord, discipline me so that I might get something done in this world that is going to matter for you. Oh, that's a prayer God will be more than happy to answer. That's his role as father. That is what fathers do. And by the way, just, you know, like I need to throw this out there, but I'm going to throw it out there, you know, Dads, this is, this is our job. Help our children get to the place where they have lives that are productive and they're getting stuff done. And if you happen to be the child and you kick against that and you resent that and you don't like that, understand that it's being done to you because your father cares about you. This is why God does it for us. God does it because he loves us. He cares for us. 
Don't reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. Whom the Lord loves, he reproves. This is part of God's role as Father. When we bow our head and pray, our Father, this is what we're asking for. This is what we're talking about. Proverbs 4.10, hear my son and accept my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. We do want God to bless us. We want to have long life, right? We want to have an opportunity to get stuff done in this world. Proverbs 7, 1. My son, keep my words and treasure my commandments. Seek them like they're a treasure. See the instructions of God as something precious, something valuable. Oh, Lord, may I hold your commands in my heart. May I memorize them, meditate on them, think about them. May they be the thing that, that occupies my mind. May I talk about them in the way and when I'm sitting down and when I rise up. May I be meditating on them all the time, day and night. May, may they be the thing I'm thinking about when I go to sleep and the thing that I'm thinking about when I wake up. That is the kind of prayer to pray. Oh, Father, may I treasure your commandments. As if it hasn't been there enough times and you, know, you should read Proverbs on your own, but Proverbs 13.1, I mean, we just heard this, right? A wise son accepts his father's discipline. Scoffers, they don't listen to rebuke. They just laugh it off. Don't laugh it off. Listen. Proverbs 15, a couple of chapters later, verse 5, a fool rejects his father's discipline. But he who regards reproof is sensible, smart, wise. So when God reproves us, don't fight that. Listen to it. Get the knowledge that God wants to give us. Learn the lesson. Why? Because God wants our lives to be productive. God wants us to get stuff done. So, when hardships come our way, when difficulties come our way, we turn to God and say, okay, Lord, I will be a faithful person, even in the midst of trials and hardships. I will offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving even though it's hard to get thanksgiving to come out of my lips in the midst of this trial and hardship. And you know what, Lord? I, I, I don't know. I, I can't seem to see how in the world this is going to work out for my good, but I trust you, and I believe that you have brought it into my life for that very purpose because you are my loving Heavenly Father. That's the kind of prayer to pray. This pandemic that has hit our nation, this doesn't take God by surprise. God knew that this was going to arrive. This is the moment to pray to our loving Heavenly Father that, Lord, use us. As a father, you're disciplining us. This is a hard time. We have to make tough choices. We have to do stuff we don't want to do. I don't know about you. I go through Walmart with that thing on my face. I'm like, oh, I can hardly wait to get out of this place and get this thing off my face. Uh, you know what? It just is what it is. We need to take care of ourselves and others. Pray that God will use your life while you're doing that. This is all part of the hand of God. Be wise. Just be wise. A few New Testament passages. 
And of course, by the time we get to the New Testament, I mean, these are all Old Testament passages where God is our Father and, and He's pouring out wisdom and love and discipline on us, and God is trying to take care of us and watch over us. That's all in the Old Testament. That's when Jesus prayed this with His disciples, they didn't have the New Testament. And in the New Testament, it's even better. Jesus says to His disciples, I no longer call you servants, I call you now my sons. You're now part of the family, you've been adopted which is exactly what God does as Father, by the way. God, as the Father, he now adopts us into his family. Romans 8.15, you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry, Abba, Father. Romans goes on to say in chapter 9, it shall be that in that place where it was said to them, you are not my people, There they shall be called sons of the living God. It's us. We are adopted into the family of God. We are adopted children. You know, in Roman society, you could disown your kids. Because you get to the place, you're like, that's it. I'm writing them out of the will. I'm done with them. Worthless kids. You know who you couldn't? You know who you couldn't disown? Adopted children. You can't disown the adopted ones. You chose them. You adopted them. Under Roman law, adopted kids, you stuck with them. God adopts us. I mean, what an amazing truth. We were slaves to sin, and now, now we are the children of God. Ephesians 1.5, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. You know, God didn't have to save anyone. God didn't have to bring anyone into the family. When Adam and Eve told God to get lost, God could have said, okay, okay. You guys, by the way, get out of my garden, and, uh, well, that's that. I'll create some other world. I'll create some other group of people, and uh, I'll go adopt them into the family. And you guys, well, oh, well. But that's not what God does. God comes back for us. 2 Corinthians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our afflictions. So we'll be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. God as our Father comforts us. We need to comfort one another. When we bow our head and say, Father, we pray to the one who comforts us. Yes, he disciplines us. Yes, Sometimes trials will come into our lives, and and God is still there to comfort us through these difficulties. God gives strength to the weak. I won't go through them all except to say that God offers us grace and peace. I mean, just think about how many times God uses this. Virtually every epistle of Paul starts out with, and I'll just read a couple of, 1 Corinthians 1.3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace from God our Father. Grace. God just pours grace on us and gives us peace in the midst of trial and difficulty. Pray for the peace of God. Pray for the grace of God. As your loving Heavenly Father, He just wishes to pour it out on every single one of us. 
We don't need to be in all kinds of anxiety and worry and, and just all caught up and all oh, the world is falling apart and everything's, everything's just coming apart at the seams and what's going to happen to us and, and oh, oh, it's just awful. Okay, that, that, no, that, that does not need to be us. Plead the grace of God and the peace of God that passes all understanding. We may very well have and are in the midst of some hard walk that we have to walk. Okay, so it's a hard walk. Join the, the ranks of human history and the church since the time of Christ. The church has always had a hard walk. This is not God taking his hand off us. This is God finally loving us enough to help us earn these rewards as well. So, grace and peace. By the way, it's 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon. Every single one of those starts out with grace and peace. Grace and peace. Why? Because God is a gracious God who wishes to give us his peace. Ephesians, back to Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who what? Blesses us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. God our Father blesses us with every spiritual blessing. When you bow your head and you pray to the Father, he is going to pour blessings out on you. Why? Because he blesses us with every spiritual blessing. That's his role as father. That's what God does as father. As the father, God gives to his children. God wants to give to us all of these great spiritual blessings. This, God is not a cosmic vending machine, right? This is, you, don't, you don't get to put your prayers in and just say, okay, Lord, well, great. I want to be healed of all my sicknesses, and I want all kinds of money. And I, that's, not what, that's not what's going on here. This is, this is peace and grace and the power to do right, and to love, and to be filled with long-suffering, and gentleness, and goodness, and compassion, and to carry out the will of God in this world. To be a light in a dark place. To be the hands of God. To show grace, and compassion, and mercy like God does. That's the prayer. It doesn't... We are not here for God to give us everything we want. We are here to do whatever God wants. That's why we're here. I'm not going to go through the Hebrew passage because we already did it. In, but Hebrews talks about the disciplining hand of God just like it does back there in Proverbs. It's the, it's the same thing. So, so when we pray, and we, we put our head down and we say, Father, or our Father. Who are we talking about? We're talking about the God who has plans. The God who has made plans for us. The God who designed and created the world. The God who made the garden. The God who put Adam and Eve in it. The God who has the tree of life. The God who has gone into heaven to prepare for us mansions. The God who plans and looks out and has created the entire universe for us and to put us here. The God who spared not his own son, his only begotten son. By the way, the rest of us were all adopted. Jesus is his only begotten son. 
He spared him not, but delivered him up for us all. That's the kind of father God is. That's the kind of father that we pray to. He makes plans and he carries them out. He keeps his word to a thousand generations. He has all the riches of wisdom and knowledge and discernment and desires to give them to us. This is the God who keeps his promises, who seeks out those who are in trouble and those who are hurting and need comfort, and he gives them comfort. This is the God who sees our weaknesses and helps us deal with them. Sometimes even if we don't want to be helped with them, he helps us anyway. God wants our lives to be productive. God wants us to do the things that will bring honor and glory to him, and he works in our lives to bring this about. He hears our prayers. His ear is open. His eye sees. He tries our hearts and gives to us just what we deserve. Yeah, I did stop for a minute to let you think about that. We should pray that our hearts will be true, that his grace will be poured out onto us. This is the God that we pray to. He wants to use our lives. He wants our lives to matter. And he put us into this world at this moment, in this church, at this time, to be his body and his people. And we need to pray that God will make use of us. This is the moment. This is our moment. This is why we're here. Don't miss the moment. It is not often you get to step back and to say, these are the times that will make it into the history books. Because these are the times that are going to make it in the history books. Provided we get to the place where there's any books left around here and they haven't burned the place all down. But this is the moment. Don't worry, God is going to put it in his books. This is, this is the moment. See the hand of God, our Father. And pray. Pray that you will be a person God uses. Let's pray. Lord, we live in momentous times. We live in times in which we watch and we see the world crumbling around us in ways we have not seen previous in our lives. These are the times that we know that you are at work. This is not the moment you've taken your hand off. This is the moment you have put your hand on. Lord, we want you to put your hand on us. We want you to use us. Lord, may we be people who understand that you are at work in the midst of this, and may we be an amazing display of your grace and your peace. Lord, may we at this time have our lives used by you. Thank you that we live in such times. Thank you that we live in a time in which we get an opportunity to boldly declare our allegiance to you. May we do it. Use our lives. We ask in your son's precious name. Amen.